reading of the Scriptures from Genesis 28, reading verses 10 to 22. Invite your attention to the reading of God's Word and pray that God would give grace and faith both in the reading and the hearing of it. So from Genesis 28, Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at the first. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I invite you to join me again for a time of prayer. Father, again, we bow our heads to you. We, we return thanks for all your loving kindness to us. Thanksgiving and worship. We are thankful for the gift of the only begotten Son of God, Jesus Christ, our King, our Redeemer, our Prince, and the giver of peace to us. And we thank you for the gift of the Spirit of God, for your fatherly care daily giving us our bread. We ask that you bless our offerings this morning for the advancement of the kingdom of heaven and for the welfare of those in need. Remember and bless uh, the sick, the aged, and infirmed of our congregation, those who can't be here, but be near to them. Uh, bless our children, our grandchildren, uh, with the great blessings of saving grace and the indwelling of the Spirit of God. Protect us from the dangers in this fallen world, dangers to the body like disease and lawlessness, but more so protect our souls from the evil one, who would seek to destroy us from the deception that surrounds us that would seek to lure us away from you. 
help us individually and as a congregation to be salt and light where you put us in these days and times in this place to love one another and to bear good witness to Christ, our Savior, and to his kingdom. Uh, we may come here with various things distressing or weighing heavy upon our hearts, uh, unspoken but still real. Uh, remember us. Remember all of those requests. Uh, may we set them aside, but trusting in you to intervene in all things that concern us in life and in providence to work them for our good. And now, Father, we have come to meet with you in your word. We thank you for the word which has been preserved for us, ancient words, but living and active. May the words this morning and what Phil holds forth uh, be attended with the power of the Spirit to, so that the word would go forth in power and that the Spirit would illumine our minds to behold great things in your word and then make application to us that we might live in accordance with it and become wise in the way that we walk in this world as we journey from this world to the world to come when we uh, scale the heights of Mount Zion uh, to be with the Lord. All these things we ask in the name of Christ, our Redeemer. Amen. Thy will be done. Lord, hear our prayers. One of the uh, great provisions of the grace of God is that he continually reminds us uh, in particular, in difficult times, uh, that uh, all of the promises of God accrue to us uh, because of his son, Jesus Christ. And that is uh, a particular importance for us this morning because uh, Jacob is on uh, the verge of uh, uh, going to uh, a distant place and he's experienced great uh, confusion and fear. And God is going to show up in his life and remind him of his uh, presence. Uh, uh, contextually, uh, it's important for us to uh, remember that uh, Jacob left his home uh, out of obedience to his parents. Uh, but he also has been blessed by Isaac. So his father has blessed him and transmitted the blessings of the Abrahamic covenant to him. Uh, and now someone else is going to bless him. Really, the, the greater party uh, of the Abrahamic blessings uh, come to bless him. So he is fleeing uh, from Esau because Esau wants to kill him. Uh, he also is, uh, as you know, still single. And that in and of itself creates a tension uh, that's calling into question the legitimacy and the continuity of the covenant. Uh, because God must raise up sons. How can a single man uh, raise up sons? And uh, while the text really doesn't speak to that, I think it in a measure is something that's uh, gnawing uh, at, at Jacob. Well, in verses 10 to 15, God appears to him and confirms he is the son of the promise with all of the covenantal blessings. So he's traveling north. Uh, the sun goes down, so he stops to uh, rest for the evening. 
besides uh, leaving his home in fear, uh, it's very likely, I think, uh, that he may feel a bit guilty because he has uh, tricked uh, his brother and deceived his father. Uh, I, I, I suspect that he's in a measure of anguish over that. Um, I don't know if you've ever um, had occasion to uh, uh, to leave your home. Maybe you're on a journey and uh, your thoughts uh, uh, return to your uh, to your parents and the great blessings that they've uh, bestowed upon you. And then uh, perhaps you've uh, felt a little bit guilty, maybe about how you've treated them or treated another family member. Well, that's certainly Jacob. He's deceived his father and tricked his brother. Um, But it is a reminder that like you and me, God saves uh, flawed uh, men. Uh, In this case, God comes to Jacob in a dream. He sees a staircase reaching from earth to heaven uh, with angels ascending and descending and the Lord stands above uh, the staircase or the ladder. Uh, so the symbolism is that God has dispatched divine messengers and angels uh, to protect Jacob, and perhaps even to report back. Not that God needs a report. He knows everything uh, in one eternal moment, uh, but that's something of the symbolism here. Uh, now, there is, a, there is a beautiful theological position that's held by the church, uh, that God sends uh, angels to protect his saints. Uh, some people believe that everyone is a guardian angel. I don't know that I would go that far, but there is no question in my mind that uh, much of the occasions in our life, uh, angels are dispatched to protect us. And that is what uh, something of this staircase uh, represents here. But more importantly, Uh, God speaks. So heaven is now speaking uh, to the son of promise. It's one thing for Isaac to transmit the blessing, but now we know here it is affirmed by God himself. I would remind you that the revelatory event for us is eclipsed not in dreams, but in God's word. Uh, We believe that the majesty of God's uh, revelation is contained in his scriptures, and it is a reminder to each of us when we face times of fear and chaos, discouragement, uh, perhaps even failure in our lives, we should always repair to the word of the Lord. In good times as well as in difficult times. Because it is in the scriptures that God meets us. Uh, God identifies himself... uh, as uh, Yahweh Elohim, uh, as the covenant God of all of his children, as well as the creator God. Elohim oftentimes, I think more often than not, is associated with God as the creator. So think about that. God, we know, is going to create events in Jacob's life uh, to continue the restoration in his life, uh, to provide him a wife, and to raise up sons. To carry on the overarching theme of the book of Genesis, that God's going to raise up a nation that's to represent him and expand his glory uh, throughout the world. 
I'm Yahweh Elohim of your father and grandfather and the God of the covenant. And then he confirms uh, that the blessings of the covenant passed to Jacob. All of them. There's nothing left out here. The land promises. Uh, by the way, I would remind you, my own theological position is the land promises are given to the nation of Israel uh, are simply typological for us of heaven. Uh, but the land promises he will be fruitful. What does that mean? It means he's going to get a wife. Uh, a wife. Uh, an implicit reminder of the importance of the family. Of the importance uh, of the family uh, as one of the great means that God uses to advance the faith. And his descendants will be numbered like the dust and they will spread out and have dominion. He's going to have a son. In fact, he's going to have many sons. Uh, but we know that the promises of God are going to carry on. And God cannot be stopped. And so these blessings imply the work of, of God continuing uh, in the life of Jacob, the son of promise. He says, God will guard you and restore you to the land, and I will not abandon you. These allusions are to the same promises made to his grandfather Abraham and to his father Isaac. No change. And God, God's promises are the same to him. And by the way, I would remind you that God's promises are the same to you. Uh, they are without change, without deviation, uh, without alteration or delusion. He gives all of the promises of God to you. Every blessing that he gives to you are because of Christ. Uh, there's not some special class that he restores something better for. Uh, all of the promises and blessings accrue to us uh, because of uh, our Savior, Jesus Christ. So the torch of the covenantal promise to be lived out upon the earth is passed to Jacob, establishing the continuity uh, by grace through faith. That reminds you of Genesis 15, 6. And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Picked up in the book of Romans. Now we're saved in the same way that Abraham was saved. Uh, the righteousness of God imputed to us was counted to Abraham as righteousness uh, by faith alone and grace alone. But the, but the point, I think, of this latter notwithstanding uh, angelic protection as he faces an uncertain future in a difficult time is that the source is what? Heaven itself. The origin of the blessings that come to Jacob are from heaven itself. And that continuity is profoundly comforting because it applies to everyone in this room who names the name of Christ as Savior. And just like Jacob, we are flawed human beings. But the blessings of God uh, are still ours because of Christ. In verses 16 to 22, Jacob responds in worship and a vow uh, to tithe to God in response to God's blessing. So he awakens from his dream And he acknowledges that it was the Lord 
who came down to meet him in this revelatory event. An act of grace because of his tremendous flaws. Uh, but God saves flawed men and women. Uh, one of my favorite verses, because of my own great flaws, 1 Corinthians 6.11. But such were some of you. God's grace to gather His own and save them through His Son. He saves sinners, and not only does He save them, He transforms them, and that's something of the event that's occurring here. A beginning of the transformation of Jacob. Uh, he now has a renewed fear of the Lord or godly reverence in light of the revelatory event or in light of who God is, more particularly in light of who He is. He's been a deceiver. He's been a liar. But that's who God saves. Such were some of you. Uh, remind you of uh, Psalm 134. Uh, the psalmist says, but forgiveness is with thee that thou mayest be feared. Uh, in a small measure, uh, the revelatory event to Jacob is that uh, he is forgiven and he fears the Lord because of it. He also acknowledged that uh, the place where God has met him is the gate of heaven. Uh, look at Look at verse 17. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. God, at the pinnacle of the ladder, opens up from heaven to speak to him. Beautiful reminder of the esteem that we should have for the incarnate word, Jesus Christ, but also the living word of God in Scripture because it's opening up of heaven to us, revealing to us the blessings of God that accrue to us because of Christ. And the gate is the promise of God who came to him, a promise of divine presence, protection, and that he will, he will return. He's going north. God's going to bring him back to the land. Protect him all along the way. It is a reminder that... Uh, God is the creator, controls the future. How can anyone promise uh, that we're going to go somewhere and come back? Something may interdict us. We may be in an accident. We may be sick. Uh, we may perish in some terrible event. Uh, God issues this promise to him, meaning it's sure and certain. So he's going to go north out of the land, and then he's going to come back. And God has just issued to him a promise that that will occur. So he takes the stone that he has used as a headrest and makes a memorial of it, consecrates it with oil. He names the place Bethel. In the Hebrew Bible, the uh, Hebrew word for house is bayit. El, another name for God, so the house of God. Uh, the house of God, where God revealed himself to him. Uh, in a small measure, the church, the house of God, where God uh, meets us in his word, and in the sacraments. He worships God. Renames the place. Uh, it was formerly Luz, and now he sanctifies it. Lastly, he makes a promise of loyalty. 
based upon God's promise of loyalty to him. And he commits himself to God based upon God's commitment to him. So the journey began as a fugitive from his brother uh, will end up uh, in that he will uh, find a wife and have sons. And the transformation uh, will continue. And so this journey in his flight, he's, he's uh, fleeing as a fugitive, uh, but now it's a pilgrimage where God comes to him and he meets God in his word and he pledges God in worship and service. Well, there's a greater origin and source of heaven opening to us. Uh, there's a greater event that occurs in our life. In a small measure, this is a type of our Lord coming to each of us and bestowing blessings upon us. Uh, so what I'm suggesting is that the greater fulfillment of the promises and the appearances of uh, God occur to us in His Son, our Savior Christ. Uh, turn with me, if you would, to uh, John chapter 1, uh, where... Uh, John, the apostle, is going to validate uh, the greater fulfillment of the ladder uh, to heaven or the staircase to heaven, uh, as well as the gate of heaven. So again, God uh, came down the staircase to reveal himself to Jacob. So Jesus comes uh, down to us from heaven to bless us as God himself. Uh, and again, Jesus alludes to Genesis 28 in uh, John chapter 1. I'm going to read uh, verses 49 to 51. Uh, it's encounter Jesus is gathering his disciples. Uh, comes to uh, uh, Nathaniel. Nathaniel comes to him. Uh, Jesus greets him and, and uh, says uh, shortly, I knew you, Nathaniel. Nathaniel says, how could you know me? Uh, Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You shall see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you shall see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. That's the greater typological fulfillment of Genesis 28. Genesis 28, uh, Yahweh Elohim is above the ladder, commanding the angels to go and to protect the son of promise from danger, to secure things for him. And now Yahweh Elohim in Jesus Christ has come down the ladder to gather his disciples. So it's a very uh, powerful change in the text. 28, he's above it. John chapter 1, heaven has come to us in Jesus Christ. Uh, greater fulfillment that the origin and source of our blessings are in Christ. Uh, he is the greater revelatory event 
Remind you, John 1, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, it's very interesting that our Savior uses uh, John 1, the phrase, the Son of Man. Uh, by way of review, it's very interesting that this is our Lord's most favorite designation of Himself. Uh, it is an illusion, as you know, uh, by way of review, to Daniel chapter 7 and verses 13 and 14. One of the great night visions of prophet Daniel. There's a court scene, and the Son of Man appears before the Ancient of Days in heaven itself, brought before the throne of everlasting glory. And the Ancient of Days gives to the Son of Man dominion, glory, and a kingdom, uh, and universal worship. And the Ancient of Days says to the Son of Man that your dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away and your kingdom will not be destroyed. As you know, the vision uh, in Daniel chapter 7 is unclear as to what the Son of Man did to merit the blessings of heaven. We're really, it's really silent in the vision section. But when you come to the interpretive section, we learn that his people suffer faithfully and are rewarded, meaning that the eternal dominion in the vision section is accorded to the Son of Man because he was faithful in suffering and therefore is received into heaven and accorded everlasting glory. Meaning that this is uh, a divine person, the majesty of his kingdom. Also, it means here that his, his kingdom is begun. What he is starting in the gathering of his disciples, Nathaniel being one, it's the beginning of the great kingdom of God on earth, the gathering of the disciples. And that will expand and expand and expand until uh, he comes again in glory to glorify his sons, to complete the transformation that he's begun in their new birth. It's a marvelous reminder, the grace of God. I love the fact very taken away by the fact that Jesus has come down that ladder uh, to become God in our midst, Emmanuel, together, together his sons and daughters, to institute his kingdom, uh, beginning with the new birth. And then from the new birth, all of the promises cascade to us in our transformation, and we, we only await uh, our glorification in the second coming of our great and only Redeemer. So uh, it's important for us to recognize uh, the typology here. From Genesis 28 to John chapter 1, God has come down. It's one of the great things about our faith that uh, God is not sequestered from us. Uh, he, he draws near to us uh, in his Son. And it's also important to recognize that uh, the blessings, all the blessings of God accrue to us because of, because of Christ. Uh, and the great continuity is that we're saved in the same way as Abraham was. 
And all of these covenantal blessings merge into the eternal covenant of redemption in which our faith is sealed forever. Again, as an affirmation uh, that God blesses His sons. There's also a confirmation of this in uh, Peter's uh, uh, confession, Matthew 16. Uh, as you know, uh, Jesus uh, gathering His disciples, there's uh, always rumors about who He was. Uh, turns to Peter and says, Peter, who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. So Messiah has come down, the Son of the living God. Another confirmation uh, of uh, fulfillment in uh, Daniel chapter 7, uh, in the presence of God in our Savior, uh, found in uh, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20, uh, where Jesus says, All authority has been given to me. He is repeating the language that the Ancient of Days, the Eternal God the Father, gives all authority to the Son. Uh, so he tells his disciples before he's about to be taken up into heaven, all authority has been given to me, again, as another fulfillment uh, of Daniel chapter 7. Think about that. Our Savior, all authority, possesses it all. His disciples are to serve him. And then he reaffirms the covenantal promise, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Where have we heard that? Abrahamic covenantal promise. I'm going to be with you. So just like Jacob, you and I face dear, uh, times of chaos, fear, difficulties, challenges in life. Um, the point of the text is we're not alone. Greater point of the text is that heaven has come down to us. And the, the origin and source of all of our blessings are in Christ. Heaven opens for us because of Christ. If I'm with you always, even to the end of the age, it means he will carry us uh, into eternity. Uh, Jacob has been promised uh, the promised land. You and I are promised eternity world without end, and all of the glories of the presence of God. Uh, another uh, confirmation reminded to us, uh, analogically, if you will, First uh, Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, for there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, and that Christ Jesus. Covenantal blessings in Christ. You and I are governed, just like Abraham, uh, by a covenant of promise. And God uh, is the author. And God validates and affirms that his blessings will come to us. John chapter 10, verse 7, is another parallel. Uh, Jesus uh, says there, um, truly, truly, I say to you, I'm the door of the sheep. It is to him that we become members of the flock of God. He is the gateway. Genesis 28, heaven opens. Uh, John uh, 1, verse 51, heaven comes down in the incarnate Son, and he is the entry point 
to the flock of God. Think about all that that means. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. How does that happen? God's transforming presence in our lives. We give attention to the word and we follow the Savior. If you will, a covenantal promise uh, back to God in light of his promises uh, to us. Great reminder of God's protection. Uh, John chapter 17, in his high priestly prayer, uh, he is about to depart. Uh, he knows that his disciples will face great danger. So he prays for his disciples. Eventually, his high priestly prayer turns upon all of the saints of God. Uh, but one of the particular promises that come to the disciples, John 17, 12, while I was with them, I was keeping them in thy name, which thou hast given me, and I guarded them, and not one of them perished. That promise accrues to us. He guards us. Certainly, I think, different times in life. He dispatches angels to rescue us. Uh, I suspect you will not know it. Until way after the event, you'll simply turn back and say, you know something? Something very strange occurred because I don't know how I got out of that mess. I don't know how I was delivered in a dangerous, perilous time. Nonetheless, uh, the Savior guarded His flock and not one of them perished. Look at it in this way. Jacob was terrified. His brother has vowed to kill him. His brother was a warrior and a soldier, uh, a skilled hunter. Jacob was none of those things. How can he uh, find protection? God's going to make it happen. We'll learn about the rest of that as we continue on in our study in the book of Genesis. But it is the same with us. Uh, a great reminder uh, to us, uh, the Apostle Paul, as you know, this is uh, his last epistle to his legatee, Timothy. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 18, 18, the Lord will deliver me from every evil deed and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. He knew he was safe in the arms of Christ. He knew he was safe because Christ was his protector. He knew he would enter the heavenly kingdom. I am always amazed that much of American Christianity uh, rejects the security of the believer, uh, the fact that we can have assurance in this life that we are the sons of God, but nonetheless, they do. Uh, I think, uh, who knows uh, why they uh, hold to such uh, opinions, uh, but uh, it's, I think, chiefly they have a low view of the promises of God and all of the provisions that our Savior is our ultimate protector. He will bring me 
into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever, Paul says. So he keeps his own. Reminds you, uh, John chapter 6, all that the Father has uh, given me, I lose none. How can that be? Well, that can be because of who He is. Because He's the eternal God of heaven. Uh, Notice again the imagery from Genesis 28. Yahweh Elohim is high. He is God Himself. And now He has come down to the earth. And uh, God, the covenantal God of Scripture, and God, the Creator God of Scripture, is able to keep His own. And Jesus is uh, that God. So the imagery shifts dramatic ways. Our reminder that all of the promises of God will accrue to us. And I love the promise of safety because you and I indeed live in a profoundly dangerous world. Perhaps not in this country physically, but certainly spiritually. I am not a... Uh, To some of you, I guess I should say, forgive me for saying this, but I'm not a big fan of of, uh, rock and roll. Uh, Not that there's anything wrong with it, even though I I don't, uh, I'm not uh, one that's very knowledgeable uh, about rock and roll, but uh, one of the uh, uh, most famous uh, rock and roll songs, uh, perhaps of all time, uh, is uh, led... Zeppelin's Gateway to Heaven. Uh, Gateway to Heaven. Uh, it's, it's a, um, I'm sorry? Stairway to Heaven, I'm, yeah. Uh, but it's, 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 it's really the promise of mysticism. Woman goes with gold to buy a stairway to heaven. She doesn't really need gold to buy. It's hers anyway. It comes whispering on the wind. The promises of God don't come to us whispering on the wind. They come in the Word of God. The majesty of the Word of the Lord. But tragically, um, that's That's the philosophy of many of our young people. They don't need the scriptures. They don't need Jesus Christ. They have the wind. They have mysticism. They can self-define who God is, and they can self-define how they get to heaven. Genesis 28 and John chapter 1 utterly refute mysticism. You and I have the concreteness of the living, abiding, incarnate Word in Jesus Christ and the living Word of God in Holy Scripture. And we hold those promises dear uh, because He is, He is the greater stairway to heaven. It's also uh, a reminder of these uh, essential uh, covenantal promises in uh, Hebrews chapter 13. 
just simply is a reduplication of the promises of the eternal covenant of redemption. Uh, notice the latter part of Hebrews 13.5. I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. That we have the abiding presence of God Himself in Jesus Christ throughout all of our lives, in good times, in difficult times, in challenging times, in sad times, and in happy times. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And then look at verse 8. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, yes, even forever. That He is the unchanging God. He is the God who in Genesis 28 came down the ladder to reaffirm the promises to Jacob and to us as God's sons. If you uh, are here this morning and uh, you are not a Christian, uh, there is no other way. Uh, Heaven must come down to us first and foremost because fallen, depraved sinners cannot reach up to God because they are dead in sin. So God must come down. And God does in His Son. And God gathers in His Son uh, all that are His. And all of these covenantal promises accrue to us through the divine actions of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I was intrigued by the fact that in the appearance, the revelatory event of God to Jacob, He says, I'm the God of Abraham and I. How can that be? Because God lives forever. You and I pass away generationally. God never passes away. And so the promise is rock solid for us in Christ. The same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God that saved Abraham is the same God that saved you. The same promises made to Abraham are the same promises that accrue to you. That in and of itself is a powerful reminder if you're not of the faith, to flee to the Savior. To confess Him, to acknowledge Him. And like Jacob, to uh, promise to serve Him and worship Him through His redemptive work of His great Son. So Jacob, the transformation has begun. Again, he has a difficult time in front of him. Uh, I would remind you that he's going to be gone from his homeland for 20 years. Uh, and it's going to be a very, very challenging time. Uh, he's going to learn about trickery uh, because a man's going to trick him. Uh, and yet, through it all, he's going to have, a, have, have great promises of God and great dominion, and he's going to return because of the promises of God. Uh, this same revelatory event is going to occur in a different form when he returns. Reminded of that as we continue to study in the book of Genesis, because in a sense what God is going to tell Jacob upon his return to the land is, I kept my promises. And God keeps all of his promises 
uh, to his beloved sons and daughter. What are those in review? Divine presence, divine protection, and eternity with the God of heaven through his son, Jesus Christ. I leave you with this beautiful thought from the Apostle Peter, who writes of the sons and daughters of God, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. A worthy summons to continue to worship our great God.